So we'd like to welcome on board the podcast Jeff Maynard or Loud Squeak, who's calling us all the way from Los Angeles. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> How's the weather in Los Angeles? You actually caught us on a good day. It's yeah. uh, cold and rainy today. Oh. Cold and rainy. Cold and Believe rainy it or is not. a good day. I thought, you know, my vision of LA is always sunny. <laughs> and <laughs> I've got stereotypes of LA in my brain. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is true. It is a nice change. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let me um, contextualize all of this for, for our listeners. I, I think we kind of want to know a bit about the mind of the artist and, and where you come from, how, how your journey sort of began. Could you tell us about your practice a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, you know, I've always been making art. Um, it hasn't always been 3D. Uh, mm -hmm. I used to do graphic uh, digital work. And, you know, I, I've been always taking art classes all, through, all throughout my, uh, you know, younger education into college. Um, and actually at university, I studied uh, studio art and it was a really generalized art practice. So everything from printmaking to wheel throwing, um, woodcut prints, everything, a, a little bit of everything. So um, it wasn't until after I graduated that I actually got into 3D art. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would say that it's been a journey for sure. It's a learning curve. There's always new softwares and technologies coming out. And one of my goals is to just touch as many different pieces of it as I can and, and just to learn as much as I can. And for me, making art is amazing because it always keeps me learning in that way. I'm always mm -hmm. trying to pick up new techniques. I'm always being inspired by other artists. Um, so that's just something that I hope to always have incorporated in, into my life. So it, it's been a journey so far. Yeah. And, and what yeah. sort of drew you to the digital medium yeah. or the 3D art medium specifically since you had, you know, all this other technical training? Also, before you answer, it's very interesting how you describe it as 3D, mm, yet it's true. digital. Because, you know, in traditional art speak, right, when you say 3D, mm -hmm. it's like sculpture, installation, installation stuff yeah. like that. But when you mention 3D, you directly are referring to digital. Mm. So the D in in your <laughs> version of 3D, yeah. it's like, okay, it's, it is three-dimensional, if not even fourth-dimensional, mm. and then right. D for digital, you know, but in a way, yes, digital animations also have a sort of a, a space-time, of course, it has space-time quality, almost similar to like a traditional sculpture, let's say. Yeah, would, would you care to help us understand <laughs> that yeah. part of it? Yeah, definitely. So, and, and that's actually a really interesting uh, point to call out, Kai, because mm -hmm. I, I always thought of this as 3D um, because typically the, the work that I would create digitally um, was very flat. It was blocks of colors playing around with contrast mm -hmm. um, and composition as a whole, right? But with the three-dimensional, what, what I call three-dimensional and mm -hmm. possibly fourth-dimensional work, mm -hmm. um, there, there's much more movement into it. And, you know, maybe I would just call 3D something that, as for what I refer to as 3D work, is something that is just a more convincing illusion mm -hmm. than other 2D work that is recreating something three-dimensionally, right? Mm -hmm. So it's more than just having shadow and depth um, you have all those things combined with movement and realistic simulations of light, 
properties of matter that you're not always able to capture with a static mm. design, right? Just mm. a pure 2D design. Um, mm. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting call out. And I've never thought about it until you just mentioned it, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about how Pixar and Disney, they sometimes refer to like filming, filmic techniques in their animations. So it's mm -hmm. almost mimicking the way that a physical camera would be filming something in front of our eyes. Right. But they're using like depth perception and all these other techniques to kind of con you into thinking the animation is real. And what right. you said kind of brought that out as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's all about the illusion in that sense. And mm -hmm. that's something that I play around with a lot in my work as well. Um, and actually in the softwares that I work in, you have the ability to jump into uh, these cameras that have realistically calibrated focal lengths. Mm. Um, I can play around with depth of field in a realistic way. Um, and then at the same time, through rendering the work, um, you know, you have all of these physical properties of light, reflection, refraction that you're able to simulate really close to reality. Mm. Um, so to me, it actually does have that filmic quality, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to think about things in a different way from from not only a static image, but something that's purely two dimensional. Mm. How, um, how important is the uh, movement, you know, in in the works that you make is for you? Because I mean, with a traditional sculpture, it mostly stays still, right? But of course, there's mm -hmm. kinetic sculpture and all that. But you know, right. movement is a very, very integral part of digital work, or most digital work, or digital animations. Uh, mm -hmm. What What is movement for you? Like, how important is it? For me, I think it's, it's actually an integral part of what I make. Um, I think you have a, a different experience when you're looking at a traditional three-dimensional sculpture um, mm. because you have the ability to enjoy it and appreciate it in the round, right? Mm. You can circle it in 360 degrees and that's an experience in itself. Mm. And even just having those, if you are in front of the piece, right? Like you can um, have a greater sense of scale just by being there in physical space with it. Mm -hmm. um, and with my work, without that movement element to it, it's missing something for me. Mm. It feels too artificial, mm -hmm. which is which is an OK approach to take. Mm -hmm. um, but for my work at the moment, I'm trying to bridge that gap, still have a sort of computed reality, but still almost almost realistic in a sense, right? as mm -hmm. close to realism as I can get while still distorting the space time that I'm playing with. So mm -hmm. for me, it is important in that sense and, and to also give the viewer more of a sense of the statement that I'm trying to make. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to me, I always I always try to incorporate some some amount of movement for that reason. Mm. And what is the the kind of core of your practice, like conceptually? What what are you aiming for or aiming for people to see? Yeah, so I'm I'm glad you asked because there's sort of two parts to this, and I think they're like really reflective of my personality. So. One part on the surface is I'm trying to capture somebody visually, right? So whether that's through play with color, play with motion, some lighting or shadows, mm. I'm definitely trying to reel somebody in initially, just mm -hmm. anyone walking by, right? Yeah. Hope, hope to get them interested. Um, but then beyond that, I'm hoping to make greater statements about 
who we are as people, how we interact with those around us, mm. and how we divide ourselves into different groups, right? Mm. So one of the themes that I like to play with through my color work and through the particle work is um, showing how we divide ourselves into different groups for different reasons. Maybe it's socioeconomic reasons. Maybe it's mm. purely racial. Maybe it's purely based on where you live in the world mm. or what language you speak. Yeah or even who you just decide to bring into your social circle for whatever reason. So I wanna give the viewer a moment to reflect on not only how they put themselves mm. in these groups, but how they place other people in groups mm. and how they may treat people based on the judgments that they pass because of a group that they belong in. Mm. So to me, the medium that I express myself through, mm. like I said, there's there's these two parts to it and I believe there's two very distinct parts of me. One side is, I believe, very creative and free flowing. And the other side is very strict and analytical. Um, and so again, that helps me communicate my message, um, especially through the, the piece that I created um, for the new weave. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, I, I have these stark white architectural forms, mm -hmm. which is sort of my analytical side contrasted with these free flowing, colorful particles um, so you can see how I, I tied myself into that work as well. Right. Um, yeah. Well, I, I love how you, how poetic it is, you know, because I, uh, I think anyone probably who would see it for the first time never imagined them, themselves as a particle mm -hmm. in this uh, digital weave that you've made, right? Yeah. Like, because mm -hmm. it looks mesmerizing, it's just like hypnotic, and then I would lose myself in it uh, but I never would imagine that I'm supposed to be one of those dots mm. in the, mm -hmm. the, the work you know and and the way you describe it you know like I haven't it's not very often I come across artists who describe uh, ourselves as particles <laughs> you know <laughs> so that's really interesting it's very scientific and yeah. how did you you even begin to imagine that you know that that whole scientific side of it into like this human you know representation yeah yeah no that's a good question um and again i think it just ties back to how i've seen myself existing in this constant struggle between purely creative and purely analytical trying to find this middle ground right mm -hmm. so i i noticed so although i do make art and that is my passion um i'm also a software developer too mm -hmm. so I do have this other mm. analytical side, like literally what I'm creating is creative and it's myself, but then I also do have this other side that is mm. coding, but even that takes creativity mm -hmm. and design as well to, to do things effectively. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed throughout my life that I'm always, that I've always been fascinated with is the concept of a fractal in nature. Mm -hmm. um, so things like pine trees, even systems of rivers flowing into oceans, right? Like that's all nature taking these small building blocks, creating patterns out of them and repeating those patterns on larger and larger scales. Mm -hmm. And that directly connects to how we're even built up as, as people and as matter, right? right. Mm -hmm. It's these particles that are put together, arranged into structures mm -hmm. and repeated in ways that are unique. Um, and so again, then, that trickles into how we treat ourselves in a societal sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have small 
local communities, larger communities, mm -hmm. your country and the world, right? And perhaps even outside of that. So mm. it's another one of those repeated patterns that mm. I've seen and that I really just enjoy playing around with that idea and like and, and sharing with other people. So I mean it also reminds me of pixels, right? When you break an image down and then you essentially get these mm. tiny particles. And if you were up close and you moved away, then you got a different view as well. But is the yeah. overall desire kind of uh you know, for, for a more like unified society or is it more just an observational role? Like we, we are different in certain ways and similar in others. Yeah, um, I would say that it's more of an observation. Mm -hmm. um, some of the work that I've created is to explore some of those negative sides of it, right? Like why we would choose to isolate people into certain groups right. um, or even isolate ourselves from the people around us mm. even though at the same at, at a deep enough level we are all the same yeah. um, so yeah it, it's definitely more of an observation but you know I do also fantasize of right this unified world <laughs> and some of my work does reflect that as well maybe through color choice or through the way that the particles interact with each other mm. um, but yeah I'd say more so an observation than than this like um type of um what's the word that i'm looking for kind of um, <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah. i i i mean i think this question is related to to what that has been just said so we are in southeast asia mm. you know we've mm -hmm. never met each other you know <laughs> and then uh we work with uh you know a bank here and 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 also a uh, weavers from uh, Laos, Cambodia, from Lombok in Indonesia, uh, from Padang, from uh, Sarawak, you know. Uh, and mm -hmm. most often the weavers we work with, they are in remote, they work in remote places, mm -hmm. you know, in villages mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And then, you know, we are in a different time zone. And we, for those who have never been to LA or USA like me, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I I I know America from what I read, what I watch, right. what I see on the news, mm. and then we of course have a perception of each other, right? I don't know mm -hmm. whether you've been to Asia or Southeast Asia. You know, how did you begin to imagine the work when you were invited for this project? Because you come from you know way on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you're right. I literally the other side of the world. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I I actually had some time at university where I studied um, some ancient Southeast Asian mm. um, textile trades along the Silk Road. Um, that was that was a piece of my study, actually. And I was actually really fascinated by that. So mm. this already had a piece of me in it before I even knew it. So mm. I thought that that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but what I the, the way I approach it was I know that people living in those types of areas, mm -hmm. they're a product of the resources around them and they create mm -hmm. their life based on what resources are available and not necessarily how they can exploit them, but how can they live in harmony with nature while also benefiting themselves and their loved ones. Right. Mm -hmm. So the main thing that I wanted to do was have some sense connecting back to those resources so whether that means sampling colors that are 
traditionally found in those areas because of the materials found in that areas mm-hmm. or representing silk threads because of the silkworms that are are native to that area mm-hmm. that they that they farm for yeah. their resources mm-hmm. um so i wanted some connection back to that mm-hmm. and that that was really my jumping off point was to look at how the colors are used how the materials are used and and try to build something up around that so mm-hmm. i mean that's yeah. really great like to give you some context, I was on the different residencies with the artists and we went to some really, I mean, these landscapes and villages I've, I've never seen before as well. And, mm-hmm. and that was quite transformative. But when you're speaking about resource, like in Cambodia specifically, there's a community partner called Color Silk, right? Started by this woman called Vantha Norn. And Vantha started Color Silk because during the Asian financial crisis, a lot of women couldn't find jobs and they had to move mm-hmm. to the cities and work in factories and there were like very harsh working conditions. And so what she did was start this weaving project where they could work really close to home and their families and still earn money, right? Through through mm-hmm. the eco weaving and, and kind of promotion of the natural dyes and resources. So it right. it's so much of a bigger tie right to society to the economy to how um people live and work together and also in a way that benefits you know different parties as well right yeah i i would agree it's it's definitely a product of how you or the people around you are able to use those resources to your advantage and unfortunately sometimes it does lead to those cases mm. where people native to that area aren't able to properly, you know, take care of the area around them and also take advantage of the resources. So that's definitely, I think, a tragedy that happens in the world. Um, But yeah, another thing that you touched on, too, was traveling in that area. You Mm. saw these landscapes that you were captivated with that you had never seen before. Mm. Um, and, And that's actually something that I hope to reflect in the piece as well was to have these flowing almost landscape type cloth that that reflected yeah the ecosystem that's there um and and that's actually something that was a bit of a culture shock for me even moving out to los angeles um Mm -hmm. i actually grew up on the east coast united states Mm -hmm. and i thought that i knew what a mountain atmosphere (laughs) was because i had lived in the snow and i you know always grew up in that cold new england weather Mm -hmm. and then moving out to los angeles i was completely put in my place with what I actually understood to be a mountain or even a hill. So, um, yeah, I, I, I liked your perspective on that as well. No wonder you said today is a good day when it's raining and cold because right, it, right. it reminds you of Vermont, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, actually, it's, it's, co- coincidentally, yeah. you are the, for me personally, you are the second artist from Vermont that I've worked with. Or come oh, really? I mean, s- spoken with at least, you know, like with you. Uh, nice. Uh, the other one uh, is uh, I don't know if you know him. He might be uh, quite a, a, a figure uh, in the art scene there because of his family. Uh, mm-hmm. His name is Hunter. Do you know anybody by that name? He uh, he I was do. in our podcast series uh, before in the first uh, season. So, you said his name was Hunter? Yeah, Hunter Panther Hunt, Deerfield. Hunter. 
Hunter Deerfield. Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah. Oh, I'm not familiar with with that with that hunter. I do know another hunter from Vermont though, and he's also an artist. So, uh, so it this must hunt, be a, yeah. this hunter is quite uh, has quite an interesting background. I mean, his parents were MTV video producers, directors, and then his oh, okay. grandfather was a photographer who shot like JFK and you know all these French fashion designers, Picasso, and people like that. You wow, know, but, but okay. he also comes from Vermont. Anyway, yeah, so. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So I think there's a lot of talents in Vermont that we need to meet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, different definitely. perspectives, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm very taken by you know when you are explaining how you work and your approaches to work, you know, like the depth of it, you know, the thoughtfulness of it, mm. which I feel is not very common these days, especially amongst young artists. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I really love it that you have a lot of these uh, deep considerations, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially given that the work you put out is in digital format and usually uh, they, they end up as eye candy, right? Mm. Right. You know, do, do you have an issue with that when people just take your work for eye candy? Uh, to an extent, I, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a give and a take. Um, I understand that. The, my main format for sharing my art out is on social media, right? Mm. So inherently, people are looking for something they can digest in five to 10 seconds and move on with their day. Mm. So that's at least why I try to have some amount of that eye candy mm. um, encapsulated in my work. But if you do follow my works and see the different things that I'm doing, the different techniques, the different techniques that I'm exploring, mm-hmm. And and even reading the captions that I put along with my work, which mm-hmm. I almost sort of consider poems in themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'll probably get a sense of that. So mm-hmm. I don't really knock anybody for not putting more thought into their stuff because, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, with this digital with these digital techniques, there's unlimited possibilities. Mm-hmm. You can even have artificial intelligence create art for you yeah. in a mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. You just have to program it. So I. I definitely think we're in a phase where the conceptualism hasn't necessarily caught up with the techniques and the mediums mm. yet. Mm. So I think that's to come. Yeah. Mm. Um, but for myself, you know, since I didn't typically, well, I, I didn't originally come from these 3D, 4D, fully computer generated works. I was in my studies in critique settings, mm. um, you know, going over things that are very difficult to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. so I don't know. I, I think I've seen both sides of it, so I can, I can appreciate both sides. Right. Um, but yeah, I do wish in the online communities mm-hmm. that there was more room to have healthy critique more mm-hmm. so than just saying that looks really cool or I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my critiques, I was always taught describe what you're seeing and don't use the word like or dislike. Mm. That was how I was taught. So mm. now I see only like and dislike. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm craving a bit of the other side of it, but no. um, eventually I, I believe the mediums will catch up with that. And you did mention this is your first physical exhibition or installation, yeah? It is, yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But could you give us like a sense of your world, like this, this digital realm because i mean for us we deal very much with the physical here and Mm -hmm. you know like you said there's the virtual design week that you were a part of and also these Mm -hmm. crypto art platforms what are these 
yeah, how how does that kind of work out for you as an artist? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's it's definitely given me room to connect with other people in the community, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, being inherently connected on the internet, right? You just are able to find other people that are interested in what you're interested in, uh, share techniques with other people, troubleshoot issues, especially when it comes down to this work, it's, it's highly technical. So there are times when my computer will just repeatedly crash and I don't even know what is going on. So mm -hmm. having those communities um, is definitely important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I would say that as far as my world is concerned, I feel almost one of many in a sense, like there are a ton of artists creating things in the same medium as me. Um, and a lot of other artists are, are doing the same thing. So I think all of this talent and art is hiding right beneath the surface, mm -hmm. but there's a certain barrier to entry for somebody to actually discover these things, mm -hmm. especially talking about like the crypto art. Right. A lot of people don't even understand cryptocurrencies at all. Mm -hmm. And when they hear it, they won't even want to listen. So um, that is an immediate barrier of entry for all these other people creating art in these themes and realms. So um, it, it's pretty interesting. But I, I find that once, um, you know, more people in my generation begin taking more prominent um, positions in the art world, the, the traditional curated art mm -hmm. world and even the physical art world, right, yeah. where installations are occurring, right. then those things will start to become uh, more apparent. Mm. So, I, so I'm excited to see that happen. Okay, yeah. I have, you know, this one burning question <laughs> I've been wanting to okay. ask you, right? Okay, so, let's hear. Prior to that, I have to ask, you are 26 years old? 26. 20, yep. 26, right? Yep. This year, okay. So really young, you know, the next generation, basically. <laughs> and, you know, it is not often that uh, for us, uh, especially in this podcast or even, you know, at work that we get to speak with somebody uh, from from the other side of the world and somebody young, you know, somebody mm -hmm. from LA. And from afar, we've been observing, I think a lot of artists here have been observing or even imagining the movements in terms of art, you mm -hmm. know, in LA. Yeah. You know, we mm -hmm. see the aesthetics coming out, you know, just like we sometimes say, oh, this is a Berlin style, you mm -hmm. know, or a, a Paris style, or but there's also mm -hmm. an LA style, you know, like uh, there's a certain vibe to it, right? And okay. yeah. I would like, you know, if you could, at least from your field, to share with us over here, uh, mostly listeners from Asia, like what is it like? What's happening down there for young artists in LA? You mm -hmm. know what's growing and what's what's the what's going to explode or what's you know? Can you tell us a little bit more about the scene over yeah. there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So I would say um, a big storm is coming, and <laughs> at any moment it could be released. Um, as far as things to get involved in out here, I mean there are unlimited number of museums doing all types of things, doing mm -hmm. traditional art installations as well as multimedia interactive installations. Mm -hmm. um, the the opportunities and the niches are really endless out here. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that a lot of my art making and thinking about my art making in terms of this medium specifically, mm -hmm. a lot of that thinking has come out of the COVID pandemic from just being forced to be at home and like, mm -hmm question myself with these things right. and make sure that I'm producing things that 
actually have a message behind them. So mm. I will say that I'm, I'm pretty confident there's a huge amount of work that has been created over this amount of time that as soon as things open back up, it feels like there's going to be a huge wave of collaboration, of installations, mm -hmm. um, you know, because that's something we've been deprived of for this entire year mm. um, has really been like the ability to meet in person and have actual gallery events. Mm. Um, but I would say as far as my connections go, mm -hmm. I'm more connected to the online community mm -hmm. and like the digital art community than I would feel necessarily tied to an LA community. Mm. Right. And a lot of the artists that I talk to aren't even from LA. Mm. So um, it's really a worldwide community. I talk to people in all different time zones. Nice. Um, I've actually created some works with um, another group of artists and we have 30 artist collaborations mm. and we're all in different time zones and um. signing up on a Google sheet, mm. managing it all. Um, mm. So it's really a connection to the people that are interested in the same thing, not necessarily related to locale. Mm. Um, but it is nice being out in LA. It is sunny for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, you know, that is amazing. And that is one thing that I feel the younger generation should uh, really apply. You know, the connectedness. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't even see each other physically to collaborate you know you don't even need that mm. these days right mm -hmm. uh, you right. meet each other on online and you have discussion online and really almost like no excuse not to collaborate with people across the world or you know from anywhere right right yeah. right which can be a double-edged sword because mm. um a lot of artists burn themselves out for sure i know mm. a lot of artists mm. that have felt creatively drained because you know, you can never say no to something. There's mm -hmm. no excuse. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. it is a matter of having that balance, too. But mm -hmm. yeah, I do find that it's really interesting being able to connect across these long distances. Like I've done branding and product ads for companies and mm -hmm. the majority of my clients, I've never met them in person, which mm -hmm. I think is something very different from even five or 10 years ago mm -hmm. talking about branding, yeah. um, you know, like that's about a face-to-face -face relationship with somebody. So mm. it's really opening up the possibilities for a whole generation of artists. Mm. So, And I have a question for you in terms of like getting that personal feeling into the work, mm -hmm. right? Like even earlier, you, you asked us if, um, you know, would this be an audio or video call? And mm -hmm. with the digital, I mean, we get a lot of that kind of disembodiment, I suppose. Like I see you through yeah. the screen or like I hear your voice and I don't really know you as a person. Like, right. Is there stuff that you do to kind of reconcile this because so much of your work is international? Oh, it's it's difficult. Um, at this point, I'm really just dealing with it. it it's the only thing I can say. Um, yeah. It's there, you know, I'd say the best tool that I have as far as creating connections is emojis <laughs> because that's really, it's a really good way to actually communicate how you're feeling, yeah. not using words, right? <laughs> so, so I think that's interesting, but also, um, I take every opportunity to video call with people mm. just to have that connection right. and to have that experience. Mm -hmm. And if I can't do that, I'll at least try to get a video call or I'm sorry, an, an audio call, but mm. it's hard over email, right? It's, yeah. it's really almost archaic form mm. of communication in mm. a sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that is one aspect of connection that is also yet to catch up from this huge digital wave. Mm. Um, cause not everybody can always hop on a video call. Right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, 
Hopefully, some someone smart figures something out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Teleportation, we need that. Like right exactly, now. yes, that would be nice. You know, that would be nice. Like, rather than go to Mars, I think we need to be able to teleport <laughs> or at least exactly. appear as a hologram. Yeah, a hologram you know, production. that should be a common thing. You know, really soon. Yeah. Right. Can someone call Elon Musk about this one? Can we get Elon <laughs> yeah, on the right? phone? Like, yeah. What is this going to Mars about? You know, we <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Jeff, uh, yeah, this was great. Yeah, really, really. I think a lot of things to think about. Mm. You know, even me, right? I'm I'm considered a dinosaur in your world, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. But yes, uh, Jeff, thank you so much, and um, it's been great having you in this show. Mm. You know, the I think from the feedback we've received from people who've seen all the works by all the nine artists you know people have been uh, impacted by it. they they they've, they've seen the website and then or they've mm-hmm. seen it on instagram and then now they want to see the real thing and the real thing is totally something else because it's on a huge uh, screen mm. you know it's not your phone screen mm-hmm. it's not it overwhelms you it's like what is it Deborah? like it seven meters or yeah, something like that mm. you know like six seven meters big you know the screen right so, yeah. right so thank you Jeff thank you it's great speaking of with course. you and all the best and hope to collaborate again sometime in the future we love the connections definitely. across yeah. 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 yeah across the world really. yeah Kai and Deborah thank you I, I really appreciate it and definitely <laughs> looking forward to whatever comes in the future mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully for Whenever a future collaboration happens, I'll be able to actually be there in person. Yes. Yeah. Thank you again for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.